The second release candidate of Rails 2.3 has been released, so be sure to install it using this command, because some of the functionality I want to show in this episode is only available in this second release candidate. So in this episode, I want to show you some miscellaneous additions in Rails 2.3. Some of these are smaller things, but they're still very helpful. First off, I want to show you how to perform a find in batches. So we have a product model, and we can see that it currently has 25 records. Now this feature is more useful if there's thousands of records because let's say you want to perform a find and loop through all of them and maybe change a configuration or an attribute in them. But storing them all in memory and fetching them all in one database query is not necessarily the most efficient way. Instead, the find is best to perform in batches. So in Rails 2.3, we have this find in batches method that takes a regular find arguments. You can also specify a batch size, which I will do here because I only have a limited set of 25 records. Um, it defaults to a thousand records per batch size. So in order to see the effects, we have to do that. Um, and then for each batch, let's just output something, say batch. Let's see the batch size. So we can see this uh, batch it into three sections, two with 10 products each and one with five. We can see this performed three separate queries on our database so that it only fetched some records necessary per batch. So again, this is really helpful for doing uh, mass changes on a number of records in your database. Now we also have this each method, which is very similar to find in batch. It takes the same arguments. So we can say batch size is a 10. The difference here is that the object passed into the block isn't the batch of or array of uh, products or, or models here, it's actually just the model, the one model itself. So this is helpful if you just want to loop through all of them in batches and then just adjust each a single item at a time. So um, let's just print out the name here. And then if we take a look here, we can see that several queries were performed to make this uh, fetch the products in batches rather than in one big SQL query and fetch them all in memory at one time. Now this next new feature has to do with named scopes. Now if you aren't familiar with named scopes, I encourage you to check out episode 108 where I go into detail on that. But sometimes it can be a pain to generate a named scope for every kind of column, uh, especially Boolean fields. Well, this new addition will help in that. What you have here is a scoped by method, and then it's very similar to the find by method where you can dynamically add any column name on it, such as price. So we can add a new scope here, and instantly this turns into just as if we create a name scope for the price of $4.99. And then we can, let's say, perform a, a count on here. And that will perform a count query on our database. So the actual query is not performed here when we call this method. It's called uh, with whatever method we perform after that. So we could do a maybe grab the first record here. And that will perform a grab the first record in the query in the database. So this portion acts just like a name scope, except that it's dynam dynamically generated. And we can also chain those as well. So find by category ID. And then we can just grab the first record with that category ID and that price uh, dynamically generated through scopes. Pretty helpful. Now that leads us nicely into our next new addition called default scope. It's basically a way to set a, scope, a scope which is going to be global throughout the model and uh, basically pass any kind of find options you want. So we could say default scope instead of our model class and then pass in, uh, let's say, some conditions. Just to demonstrate this, I'm going to pass in a price uh, equals 499. 
And then if we open up our console again and try calling product.count, we can see that it only returns nine records instead of 25 here because it's scoping them automatically to the price of 499. Now obviously this isn't a very good use case for default scope. You don't always want to just find products that are 499. Uh, something else might, might be more legitimate is, let's say you had a deleted at column, and then you could just simulate deletes by only finding delete uh, products where the deleted at column is null. So that way if you want to delete a product, you just set this deleted at column to the current time, and then uh, it will no longer be found in any kind of searches automatically, so you can uh, basically do a safe delete instead of deleting a record completely from the database. Uh, even this is a, I don't know if it's fully a good practice uh, for default scopes. I think it's pushing it a little bit in my book. But that's the best example I could come up with for conditions. Uh, something much more useful, I think, is an order option where you can say maybe you have a position column in here or a name column and just want to always order by the name column by default. Uh, this might have some performance uh, problems if you don't if the ordering isn't important to you on some certain queries, but I do think that this is a, a more legitimate use case for default scoping. Moving right along, this next method I want to show you is called try, and this is added to all objects in Ruby in this version of Rails. Now this one is also somewhat controversial, but let me show you how it works first. Let's say I want to find a product by a certain price. Find by price. 499, and let's say I want to give, grab the name of that first product with that price. Okay, that works, but let's try it for a product for a price that's not doesn't exist. So this find by price, there's no product with that price, so when we try to call the method name on it, we get an exception that says uh, there's no, you can't call name on the method nil. Well, the try method sort of helps this. So you can call try and then pass in a symbol in here as a method that you want to call on the object. And this will return nil if there's no uh, response, if the actual object that it's trying to call on does not respond to this method. So if we try calling name on 499, then it'll return the actual name if it's found, if the object that is trying it on does not respond to the method name, then it just returns nil. So it's a nice way if you aren't sure if the object that you're talking to has a response to the method or not. Now again here, some people don't like this method because they think you should first just check for the existence of this returned object manually before you try calling methods on it. Um, I personally think it's pretty useful. I know I've wanted something like this in the past, uh, but I can be abused easily. So don't use try everywhere, just use it where uh, it just really makes sense in your case. Now some great improvements have been done to the render method to make it more concise, the arguments that you pass to it. Uh, so let's say we want to render out a lot of products uh, for the product partial on each of the products. Now in very early versions of Rails you would have to do this, where you pass in the name of the partial and this collection parameter you pass an array of products. But because of the naming similarity between the partial and the model itself, in a later version of Rails, this was um, made a little bit more concise, so you could just pass in the array of products and it'll, it will figure out the partial name by itself. But in Rails 2.3, this is have, has been even made more concise, where you can just pass in the array of products and it will automatically know that you want to use uh, render a partial for each one. Again, same goes for if you want to just render one single partial product, uh, you can just pass in 
a single model to it and it will render that partial. But that's not all, the render method has also been made more concise in the controller as well. So let's say you want to render an action, something that's quite common, an action template. You can just take out that action option now and just pass in the name of the action to the render method and it will know what you want. If you pass in a slash in there, so let's say we say products slash edit, this will render out the products, if I spell it right, edit template instead of the categories edit template. So that's a nice way to uh, render out another template from another controller. Well, this episode concludes our series on Rails 2.3 editions. Now I encourage you to check out the release notes, which has a lot more information than I was what I was able to show you in this series. Uh, some more additions to uh, some new features that are really welcome, but I haven't shown here. So I encourage you to check this out. I'll post a link in the show notes. Now one of the major new features is on nested models inside of forms, and that, that I did not cover in an episode yet, but I will be covering it in a future episode. It's just not yet because I need to do some more research on it. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this series on Rails 2.3. This episode is sponsored in part by Sifter, a bug and issue tracking application designed to be inviting to even the least technical team members and clients. Check out sifterapp.com for a free 30-day trial. Also sponsored by Pragmatic Screencasts. They offer high-quality screencasts on a variety of subjects, including Ruby and Rails. Check them out at pragmatic.tv.